and Lumos. Hello and welcome to all you wizards, witches, muggles and squibs out there. And welcome to a new episode of Potter Jewels, a Harry Potter podcast debating theories and ideas while trying to provide some light in the darkness. I am your host Tim, alongside me, as always, is my brother Martin. Hey. You can get in touch with the show a number of ways. You can contact us on Twitter at Potter Jewels, that's P-O-T-T-E-R. D-U-E-L-S Potterjewels at Hotmail.com or you can contact us via Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Potterjewels. So as I say, we are a Harry Potter podcast. We debate theories in me versus Martin type style. Uh, We call them jewels. And then we put the same question that we have debated up on Twitter with the options that we have argued as well as an other option for you, the Harry Potter fan community, to vote on. And if you vote for my argument, 10 points goes to Hufflepuff. And if you vote for Martin's option, 10 points go to Gryffindor. And if you vote for other, then 5 points gets taken off each house. So before we get started on the next duel, we should recap the results of the last one. Who had the most tragic life out of Sirius Black, Remus Lupin and Severus Snape? The results have come in. I argued for Lupin. Martin argued for Sirius. But it was Snape that won it. Yeah, interesting. It was Snape that won it on 40%, then Sirius on 33%, and Lupin on 26.7%. I was surprised, but I do think there are cases to be made. I mean, we, we, we touched on the case for what we felt the case for Snape would be, and it's no doubt that he did have an incredibly tragic life. I, I had him third personally. Um, yeah, I, I did as well. I mean, we, we sort of mentioned briefly as to, as to why that would be and you know the information sort of uh based on choices um but yeah you know very interesting that you know people thought that snape did have the most tragic life and you know that that's what this is all about you know having those discussions um those opinions and you know we, we saw some of them were were backed up by a lot of um, very reasoned and well thought out arguments. So, you know, that's that's really good to, to see. That brings us very nicely to what we'll do every time the results of a poll come in, which is to read out the best comment that we saw. Uh, and there was a lot of people that, uh, that posted some really, really interesting stuff. But this comes from Reddit, a sliverin by the name of As It Happens. They all had very tragic lives. I would say Remus and Sirius had pretty good Hogwarts lives. You know, that, that, that's a good point. Yep. Uh, I don't even know how to rank it. Sirius probably had the most fun at Hogwarts compared to Lupin, who had to worry about his werewolf transformation. But once he hit fifth year, he actually started looking forward to them with his Animagus friends. Snape was probably only genuinely happy when he was li- with Lily, and we don't have a ton of information on. We got a bit of their beginning, and we know how it ends, not so much the middle. If you compare post-Hogwarts live... I would say Sirius probably got the most enjoyment out of the war times. All the action and chaos would be very interesting for him uh, and James off their troublemaking Hogwarts days. Remus being a little bit more level-headed probably didn't enjoy it as much as he probably fondly looked back in on the hindsight being the, the last days he spent with his friends. Snape wanted to feel powerful, but I don't think he had fun with the Death Eaters. I think he felt like it was more so uh, his place because being an outsider, he never fit in. Uh, plus, he loved the dark arts, so that's probably where he felt the most accepted, where he could reveal without judgment. Post-war time, Sirius was locked up, wrongfully imprisoned for 12 years, then free for two years on the run. 
he probably enjoyed his time on the run after proving his innocence to Harry and the Order. But was miserable in his last year of being on house arrest, which is the point that you very well made. Remus became a bum. Harsh. <laughs> harsh. True, but a bit harsh. A werewolf outcast pro- nobody wanted to associate with, bounced from job to job and held them as long as possible until suspicions arose. Had a great year at Hogwarts, became a more thorough hobo once his werewolf status became public knowledge. Regained purpose with the Order. Fell in love, had a child, promptly died. But he did leave his child with his best friend's son, who he also loved and respected. That is true. You know, whereas James and Lily died when he was off to Privet Drive. So at least, you know, they died knowing that Harry would be there. So maybe that's a comforting thought as you die in your wife's arms, who is also dying. Snape got to be a teacher, hated it, took it out on the students. I think the only thing he enjoyed was being a teacher and had given him a position of power where he has somewhat of control on his environment. I think the point Lily died, he just kind of forever sulked. He became a spy for the Order where he was constantly on guard with Voldemort, so he didn't let slip his true intentions. Then he had to super commit to his spy position where he killed the man he was reporting to on orders and nobody could knew his uh, position be revealed to the other side. He had to indefinitely deceive until his dying day. We have more details on Snape's life than we do the others. So technically it's unfair judgment because uh, we don't know exactly what Remus was doing bouncing from job to job, although it sounds long and depressing. Almost as depressing as sitting in Azkaban for 12 years. I guess Snape always had a purpose post-Hogwarts, so that's one up he had on the others. No warm, fuzzy moments, though. But who really wins in a contest of who was the most depressed? I think I think he made some excellent points there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, firstly, very kind of detailed and, and well thought out and reasoned um, arguments. So thanks for that. And, you know, a lot of, you know, really... Um, really interesting points in there um you know i think absolutely the ending of it ultimately who wins um you know the answer is that that none of them did no they all lived a life of misery which is which is tragic in their own way you know each of them had their own crosses to bear and you know each of them had a pretty poor time of it yeah yeah they did and um you know but that i mean that's the interesting thing is that you can have very different perspectives and i'm sure everybody would agree that um you know all of them had tragic lives but in terms of who had the the most then um you know it is a difficult one to to quantify Mm. so when we started off talking about this podcast uh we wanted to do an episode about which characters were underused or whatever but then when we started to break down characters we felt were underused we kind of felt that there were distinctions between them in terms of like one set of characters was used heavily but just didn't get enough love for what they did some characters didn't appear in the books or rarely appeared in the books but played a huge part and part of them had potential was killed or written out before the potential was realized so we thought that what we do is we split it into a three-part series starting with today's one of unsung heroes so today we are going to be discussing unsung heroes in harry potter And by unsung heroes, we mean characters who didn't get a lot of time in the books and there wasn't really an opportunity for them to appear much more in the books, but who nonetheless did remarkable things and changed the story. 
but there are loads of ways you can go with this particular question. So why don't you get us started, Martin? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kick us off and say that the one for me was Regulus Black, Sirius's brother. He ultimately plays a you know a crucial role. He grows up in the Slytherin household and for at least a period of time was a Death Eater who then uh, turned on Voldemort and um, discovered his secret of the Horcruxes and switched the uh, locket, which ultimately Harry and Dumbledore find in the cave. Uh, We never actively um, see him during the timeline of the books, um, but we do have accounts from Sirius as to what he was like. Um, Those accounts don't... um, Sirius is obviously not aware of the fact that his brother at some points decides to turn against Voldemort. Um, And I think that would be a fascinating um, aspect to have explored. Was it a Mm. um, specific incident? Was it something gradual over time? Um, You know, obviously he he mentions in his note that he wants uh, Voldemort to have been aware it was him that discovered his secret um and he is very accepting of the fact that um that will will cost him his life um so the perception that we have from Sirius um is that he was uh, a death eater um not a very prominent one at that he doubts that he'd have been important enough to have been killed by Voldemort when actually he committed a very um ultimately brave act um, to try and take a piece of Voldemort's soul uh, with him um, when uh, with, with his death. Um, so I would like uh, Regulus to have been uh, at least explored a bit more. I think it's, it's unfortunate for Sirius that he was never able to, to live long enough to, to see that or to, to have that knowledge. Um, because despite the fact that they were in the opposite houses, they were perhaps more similar in personality than uh, Sirius realised. It's a real tragedy about the character that neither Sirius nor Voldemort realised that he'd switch sides as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, especially because he wanted Voldemort to have been aware of that fact. Uh, you know, He's he, got to be gutted a bit. <laughs> yeah, he, he was very open in his note that he, he wanted um, Voldemort to have been aware of the fact that he switched sides. And ultimately, I think he would have liked Sirius to have been aware of that fact mm. as well. I think they, it's probably quite clear that they weren't particularly close. But um, had things turned out differently, it's, it's possible that they may have been brought closer together because of the fact that he did... Um, ultimately switch sides and and pick the right side i mean it's not just even sirius's account of his uh his death because i was rereading uh half-blood prince earlier today and when lupin is telling uh harry and the others about karkaroff dying he says he was surprised he lasted as long as he did uh because uh, Regulus only lasted a few days, so again, it's sort of change. It, it almost changes the narrative because the, the I think the 
idea that that Voldemort and the Death Eaters want you to believe is that he that they killed him rather than he switched sides. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that they would. You know, the the Death Eaters would always want that. You know, to to kill someone rather than um, switching sides as well. Um, but you know, I, I think it, it it is interesting to to find out who did kill Regulus because Sirius sort of implies that it was you know nobody that important to kill someone that low mm. down. Um, yeah, but clearly he had discovered a secret that the very, the most loyal Death Eaters and the ones who were, in theory, closest to Voldemort hadn't discovered. Mm. It took a Wizard of Dumbledore's sort of stature a long, long time till Chamber of Secrets to realise that Voldemort had Horcruxes. I mean, how... Well, I, 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 I don't know about that. I think, you know, Dumbledore says that Harry delivered him what he believed to be certain proof. But yeah, I guess necessarily yeah. mean that he didn't have suspicions or very strong beliefs about the Horcruxes. It's just he didn't have the physical proof until Harry delivered him the diary. Yeah, yeah, that that is fair. That is fair. But given how few people even know about the existence of Horcruxes, it's still, you know, to to find out and to find out what it is and all the other stuff when you're only a year out of Hogwarts is still is still incredibly impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So how did Regulus find out the truth? I think that would be fascinating to look into. Well, it was there such is... a closely regarded secret mm. that Voldemort believed nobody knew about, so... You're right, it would be amazing to know how he discovered the secret. Yeah, absolutely. And because Sirius's interpretation of uh, Regulus was a bit of an idiot, you know, he didn't come across as being like the most shrewd, savvy person out there from Sirius's recollection. So it'll be interesting to see how he found out. I mean, could he have found out from, you know, somebody like a slughorn? Not that Slughorn would, you know, give up the information voluntary, but, you know, could he have maybe extracted it somehow? You know, is that how he found out the Voldemort had a Horcrux? There are so many different ways you could go into it. There are, and I think that's, there's an interesting uh, line of inquiry as well about, you look at Sirius and Regulus not understanding each other as brothers and maybe having a perception that wasn't quite true. And then you look at, you know, Dumbledore and Aberforth. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Again, I think that's a, you know, they had different perceptions that were were perhaps the actual reality of the situation. And it was probably only when it was too late that certainly Aberforth realised and Sirius would have realised that their brothers were were not quite what they thought at the time. So I think that's quite an interesting theme that would have been nice to have learned more about. Why didn't Creature and him disapparate from the cave together? Because we learned from Dobby that you can that elves can 
you know, have sidelong apparition. Yeah. It's just odd that uh, Regulus didn't want to go with, or didn't go with Creature. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I think. I mean, Reg- I would say the only. I think with Regulus, there was clearly something up. You know, he, he seemed in a huge panic and a huge rush about everything. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, my theory on this, because I thought about it a bit. Is that with him dead, the Death Eaters and Voldemort don't go after his family. Um, Whereas if he's still alive and known to be a defector, that paints a massive target on their back. I don't know. I mean, I, I get the impression that, you know, if you betray if you betray the Death Eaters, they would sort of go after your family anyway. Yeah, but it's entirely possible that they didn't know at the time of his death that he was a defector. Yes. But after he came back with the locket as a Grimmel place, I think it would then become known that yeah, he has defected. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't think yeah. he would do a Snape and pretend. So no. I think once once you get into that situation, it paints the target on your family's back. And I think he was, I think his attitude was, if I die here, then the Death Eaters will just forget me because I'm insignificant and and all that. And I just die doing something stupid or whatever. Whereas if he had escaped, they would have found out that he'd defected and gone after the family. Yeah, you know, if that is the case, then that's an incredibly selfless act and one which I'm sure um, Sirius would have been very proud of um, for him doing. Um, yeah. And because, as they say about the Black family being safer under Voldemort's regime than than not, it was kind of like, okay, well, we'll, you know, if I if I die here, they'll still be protected. Yeah, you know, I, I think what well, you know, whatever he did as a Death Eater, he was certainly trying to to make amends in those last moments, and you know, it, it is a shame that Sirius will have never known about that. And again, you know, that's a a similar one to um, Dumbledore and Aberforth, those things that are unsaid mm. and unknown at the time of someone's passing. I think the great sadness with Regulus's story is that Sirius didn't know the truth about Regulus's U-turn, didn't give him the respect that perhaps he should have done because of his, you know, the intelligence that it would have taken. And, I mean, I would imagine that's where uh, Regulus's slivering attributes would come in very handy you know the the shrewd cunning because i mean it would take a lot of sort of cunning to you know to to work out the secret of the horcruxes i would imagine you would need to do a lot of investigating and you would have to be quite cunning to to get that sort of sort of secret in a sense sirius was right in the regards that you know he was very very low on the you know overall spectrum of, of Voldemort because you know because as I say he's only been out of Hogwarts a year so he cut he didn't have a lot of time to rise through the ranks and the fact that Voldemort chose Regulus and Creature I mean Regulus said it when he asked Creature that told him it was a great honor because you would have thought that he would have gone for Malfoy and Dobby well, you would think so. And when you look at some of the Death Eaters who were in theory a lot closer to Voldemort, um, mm. who were unaware, I think it's interesting that neither Sirius nor Voldemort saw Regulus as a particularly big player 
uh, when he did mm. ultimately get that close to to Voldemort. Um, and that's potentially why he didn't give it to Lucius, is because Lucius was quite quite exactly, high up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously he gave him the diary later on, but yeah, I mean, uh, whether he saw Regulus as expendable. So, you know, mm. he, he might not have wanted to have got rid of Malfoy, but he might have been um, more willing to, you know, give up Regulus. Um, mm. But, you know, Sirius is kind of right in the fact that he mentions that Regulus got, would get cold feet. Um, yeah. But he's entirely wrong in the ultimate, the overall perception of him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, his his version of getting cold feet was to, you know, undertake a, a brave act that would, you know, get closer to to killing, to ending Voldemort than many of the Order of the Phoenix have got at the time. Yeah, because Voldemort didn't didn't tell Malfoy about the diary being a Horcrux. He didn't tell Bellatrix about the cup. So. It's highly unlikely that he didn't tell uh, Regulus uh, about the the locket, and Regulus even says in his note, you know, I have discovered your secret. Absolutely, and I think that's where I would love to have known how. But I would and also was he looking for the secret because he wanted he had already turned against Voldemort, or did he discover the secrets and then? Later Excellent point. Turn mm. against them. I always found it a great sadness to me that both Sirius and Voldemort didn't realise that Regulus had found out Voldemort's secret. Because I would have quite liked it. Because I mean, bearing in mind the note that he wrote said, "By you know, I want you to know that it was I that discovered your secret." Well, he never did. Yes, and ironically, I want you to know who just. I want you to know that it was I who discovered your secret, and then he doesn't sign his name, mm. which gives you yeah, the yeah. presumption that Voldemort would automatically know that Rab was him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, we as an audience, and I would imagine most of the characters who would have read that note wouldn't have realised who he was. I mean, do you think Dumbledore would have? <laughs> I mean, let's just say, for argument's sake, they get back. They get back to Hogsmeade after getting the locket. Before he sees the dark mark, Dumbledore says, "Right, let's destroy the Horcrux." Sees the note. Do you think he instantly sees the handwriting, sees the initials, and goes, "That's Regulus"? Or do you think you'd be like, "Who's Rab?" We don't know to what extent. You know, we don't know his associations. We don't know if he was taught by Dumbledore. We don't know the, you know, the full extent of his interactions with other characters in the world, so it's it's impossible to say. My guess would be that Dumbledore wouldn't automatically yeah. have known. Um, certainly, it sounds as though, from everything we've, dis- you know, from certainly what Sirius says, was that Regulus wasn't a high profile. No, no. Death Eaters. Um, you know, he mentions that. He wouldn't have been important enough for, for and also given and given his age as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't think he would be someone that it, it was wouldn't you wouldn't automatically jump to the no. conclusion that it was regulus. 
No, you'd imagine if it was a Death Eater that turned, it would be one of the real senior ones that would have done that. Because, I mean, the other thing that's interesting to note is that when Regulus had turned against Voldemort and had discovered the secret or or whatever, he was only 18 years old when he died. The last year at Hogwarts is, you know, you're 17, going on 18. So he died within a year of leaving Hogwarts. So... That's why I go back to maybe he got the information from Slughorn because he would have got the information while he was at school. Slughorn did say I got Regulus when he came along, but I would have liked the set. So you know that Slughorn had taught Regulus. So is it possible he found out from some sort of clue at Hogwarts that Slughorn had told him or, you know, is there any other? I think at a stretch, at a real stretch, he could have found out about the Horcrux. I think it's a stretch, bearing in mind how reluctant he was mm. to tell Harry about the Horcruxes. It's a stretch to say that he... I mean, another option is maybe he, you know, when he was up in... Maybe he went to Dumbledore's office and while waiting for Dumbledore read some of the Horcrux books. I don't know. You know, there are just... I, I just find it interesting that he died within a year of leaving Hogwarts. I wonder whether he could have found out about the Horcruxes, either through Slughorn or through a book in Dumbledore's office or whatever. And then when Voldemort needed Creature to go put the locket in the cave, he put two and two together. Potentially. But it still also doesn't answer the, the key question, the one that I would like most to be answered is that why did he switch? As I say, I would imagine it was to do with Voldemort's treatment of of, of Creature. I would say that is that formed a large part, I would guess. I mean, in a way, I would have quite liked it to be, or to be something to do with maybe Voldemort had gone after Sirius. Because bearing in mind, we know that James had thwarted Voldemort three times. I would guess that Sirius would have been uh, a part of that as well. So if they were part, if Sirius was attacked by Voldemort during those, during that year, that combined with the creature thing might be enough to, to turn him against Voldemort. And then, as I say, you know, maybe he just put two and two together I mean, I I sort of side with you in that I think it's unlikely he would have found out about the Horcruxes from Slughorn or from the books. I just think that he must have found out about Horcruxes when he was at Hogwarts. Or here's another way he could have found out about the Horcruxes, by the way. Is it possible that another member of the Black family had had a Horcrux? I don't know. Dark. Yeah, they're a very dark wizarding family. Yeah, but you have to be a very dark wizard to, you know, even um, you know, somebody as intelligent as Hermione hadn't even heard of them. Uh, even some of the, the books in the library say that we won't even mm. speak of them. So I almost think you have to be Voldemort level of evil to, um, but given... to know about them. I mean, it's not, impo- it's not impossible, but... I I'm think just thinking, given unlikely. that, you know, the, the, the family did seem to be very, very dark with, you know, the beheading of house elves, and given yeah. some of the wizards that that family tree produced. I mean, okay, there is only two 
examples in history of a Horcrux being made, but that's the official record and that we know of. Or who's to say you couldn't have that the Black family didn't have some of those same books that Dumbledore had banned from the library in their own personal collection. Whether it was a member of the Black family directly or whether it would be someone like Bellatrix you know I I wonder whether they could have got it whether he could have got it from another dark uh wizard in the family potentially but uh, you know as I said I think the great tragedy of the character is that uh he died and nobody apart from Harry Ron and Hermione found out that he had discovered the secret i think it's really mm. sad that sirius didn't yeah. know it and i think it's really sad yeah. that voldemort didn't realize that he'd been betrayed by by regulus yes yeah that would have been um fitting mm. fitting you know and ultimately there's a theme there around characters turning on voldemort you know regulus and snape and Voldemort not seeing that yeah. until it was too late. And also how the narrative seemed to shift around him because it was kind of like the Sirius found out that Voldemort killed him or had somebody kill him on his behalf, and yet it was nothing to do with that. So mm-hmm. I you know, I think when a I think when yes, a Death Eater really. goes bad, if they die in the switch, you know, from evil side to good side I think the narrative changes to, oh, we killed him. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think it's it's interesting as well because Sirius makes him out to have got cold feet about something when actually his death could have been far more significant. Yeah. I mean, in that. a sense, he's right. He did get cold feet about, about something. But... In a you sense, know, it, he's right, but it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere close to telling the whole story. I think you raise good points on Regulus, but the character that I would say is a real unsung hero is Aberforth Dumbledore, uh, because he saved the trio's life twice. He provided support and food to Dumbledore's army during that seventh year was a very, very vital part of that last book. But in terms of actual page time, he gets, you know, one chapter and then a handful of lines scattered throughout. And also, throughout the first six books, we we knew his name and we knew from the Goblet of Fire that he had an affinity with goats when Dumbledore mentioned him in passing. But beyond that, we had no idea his greater contribution to, to Dumbledore's life which came out in the last book, it turns out that, you know, he had actually been uh, vital in shaping the character that Albus Dumbledore became to be and became a vital role in the last book by saving the Golden Trio's lives twice. Yeah, obviously he saves them on two occasions and on both of those there's no way other way out um, for them. So he really does play a, an important role within... Um, the series and and within the narrative to to get them out of two very dangerous situations but as you mentioned doesn't actually appear in it all that much it's you know bar a few other mentions his, his major contributions are those occasions where he saves them 
And to borrow a line from the Cursed Child and from the start of the podcast, he was a real light in the darkness for them. Well, well, he was, you know, and I think it's, you know, if you think back to what Dumbledore's saying about, you know, help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who need it, even though he's not around. Yeah. His brother does step up somewhat, um, you know, circumstantially. Um, to to help them out, and I think that you know that's quite a nice thing in a way that he not takes the place of Albus, but certainly helps them out on on two occasions. And you could argue that Aberforth saw Harry in particular more as a person than a tool, which you could argue Dumbledore saw him as, you know, a tool to defeat Voldemort. Yes. You, you can, and you know, and, and certainly that conversation in the hog's head does um, mm. pro- project that somewhat. But you know, I, I think he also undermines that a lot by telling Harry to you know, to go and hide and to look after himself. And you know, whilst you can argue that's done out of you know caring about Harry as a person, I think there is also a little bit of um, self-preservation mixed up within that. Yeah, but I think the fact is is that he probably looks at, at Harry in a similar scope as he sees Ariana in terms of he doesn't want to see Harry and Ron and Hermione die for the greater good. You know, he doesn't want to see them suffer because of Dumbledore because of Albus Dumbledore's grand grand plans and schemes. No, absolutely. And I, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of kind of deep set resentment um, mm. that probably prompts a lot of that conversation. Um, and he bottled it, it up for years as well, you know, and it's clear that he bottled it up for years. He, he had, and, you know, that, you know, it's mentioned that that might have been the first time he ever spoke about it. So I think, you know, whilst it can come across as him having very positive intentions, um, I think mixed up in that is a lot of um, historic scarring um, mm. that has, um, you know, and sort of deep set emotional damage um, that has, has built up for years. But I would also make the argument in regards to to uh, the both Albus and Aberforth is that while they did get to some vague sorts of normality between them, they never, uh, you know, by the sounds of it, they never truly discussed what happened when Ariana died. No, I mean, I'd I'd say it's probably civility rather than, um, Mm. you know, true reconciliation, I think. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of, very deeply held emotions that haven't been discussed. I think they're probably on civil terms um, at best, but certainly uh, I would say normality would be a bit of a strong, strong word. But they did get to, as you say, they did get to some level of civility, but they never really discussed what happened that day. And I think, think and I think had Aberforth seen Dumbledore in the cave and saw how, all these years later, how deeply it still affected him, what happened, you wonder whether Aberforth would have forgi- you know, would have forgiven him a bit more. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, you know some of that with Aberforth is his wrongly held belief that it never, that, that it, it didn't damage Dumbledore as much as it hurt him. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the scene in the cave completely undermines that theory. So um, I think, you know, and obviously Harry tries to explain that to him, that he was never truly free. And, uh, you know, I think certainly that would have, um, you know, helped the situation. Yeah. I mean, do you think we will see Aberforth in the Fantastic B series? Um personally i i don't um just because i think that's a storyline that i'm not sure they're going to get into in a huge amount of detail i mean you could do a whole film in itself just on the relationship between them um and i'm not sure within the um context of the films that they're going to be kind of going down that route but it certainly would be an interesting one See, I think they might go into it when they, when Dumbledore and Grindelwald next meet, because, and bearing in mind the whole thing with Credence, you know, potentially being uh, another Dumbledore, I, I think you've got to feature Aberforth because you've got Albus, you've got another potential Dumbledore, and you've got Grindelwald, and it's all mixed up within this whole thing with Ariana. And I think you can't tell that story without having Aberforth there. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly make more sense from a from a narrative perspective. Um, I just wonder whether we'll ever find out who did cast the spell. Um, you know, whether that's something that they're going to to go into or not. Who do you think cast the spell? <sighs> I mean, oh. It's a horrible question. My gut says it was Grindelwald. Mm. Because I think he is more likely to have been using the more dangerous spells. Um, yeah. And he had and got and he had got form from his time at uh, Demstrang. I think he probably had less control over his magic as well. Um, which makes me think that it probably was him. But, you know, we, we just don't know. So... Would you prefer not to know? I think both Dumbledore and Aberforth would have preferred not to know. And therefore... But as you as as a reader or watcher in this case, would you prefer not to know or would you kind of want to know a secret that Dumbledore didn't? It's a good question. I would personally prefer not to know. And the reason I say that is because I personally wouldn't want it to have been Dumbledore um, to have been the one to cast the spell and therefore um, I'm quite content um, with my assumption that it was Grindelwald so I'm, I'm fine to to think it was Grindelwald um, I, I wouldn't want it to have been Dumbledore and therefore I would say having no confirmed knowledge is um, is preferable um, if I could guarantee that it was Grindelwald that had done it, then that confirmation would be very welcome. Um, but I'd rather not risk it. If if it was Aberforth, would you want to see it, or would you still I, do you be like, no? No, I I wouldn't because I I don't have as strong a 
affinity uh, with Aberforth. But I think fundamentally, he's a decent enough person who experienced huge trauma early on in his life. And, and therefore, you know, there's absolutely no way that he would ever have intended to do that. And um, therefore, I wouldn't like to, to see him having been the one to, to cast the fatal spell. Yeah, I, I would probably side with you on that. I do think it's interesting that while obviously Grindelwald and, and Albus Dumbledore is infinitely more powerful, the fact that he could hold his own in a duel with the two of them when he was still in his OWL year yeah. uh, says a lot about him in terms of a potential of a wizard and how maybe perhaps he could have uh, he could have been more than the barman at the hog's head if he'd wanted to. Yeah, I think certainly that trauma will have played a huge, huge role in his life, not just losing a sister, but effectively losing a brother as well. Um, and both parents. Yeah. In reasonably short succession, you know. Absolutely. I mean, that would do untold damage. Um, but I also think that if you look at the coffin side brawl, obviously Albus um, deliberately chose to lose that particular encounter with him. And I would imagine that the same was in within the duel with um, him, Aberforth and Grindelwald, that he wasn't, he was using less harmful spells. You know, his intention would have never have been to to hurt Aberforth, I don't think. And therefore, whether Aberforth could have held his own if Dumbledore was truly engaging in combat, that's another question. Yeah, but even if you said Albus was holding back a bit in terms of trying to protect Aberforth, the fact that he could still hold his own against Grindelwald says, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we don't know the, the full details of that duel. I would, my personal assumption is that Albus was primarily dueling Grindelwald. I think, uh, I think know, Albus would have been probably that. using more defensive, using more defensive spells. Yeah, I, I think Albus was trying to protect his family. Um, I think Albus was more doing defensive magic rather than attacking because, you know, he said, you know, it's all my fault, you know, punish me. You know, it's kind of like him yeah. wanting to defend his brother over that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, do you wish that we had seen more of Aberforth in the earlier books or do you really think that it just wouldn't, wouldn't have made sense for him to have appeared there? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, the the opportunity was there, obviously, in the Order of the Phoenix when they go to the Hogshead and he's, he's described as the barman. Um, mm. I mean, what kind of role he would have played, I'm not too sure. Um, I certainly think he's a, he's a very interesting character, but I don't know within the the, the narrative whether there was a bigger role for, for him to play. Did you ever realise before the Deathly Hallows was released that Aberforth Dumbledore was the barman at the Hogshead? No, no, I, I hadn't um, guessed that one. And I'd be interested to see how many other people had, actually, because um, I don't feel that was a, an obvious one that you look back on and think, oh, yeah, I should have, should have guessed that one. 
I don't know. I have a feeling I remember JK saying something after Half-Blood Prince saying that Aberforth Dumbledore was the barman at the Hogshead. So I think it didn't come as a shock to me because also it kind of made sense in the sense that Dumbledore had a friendly relationship with the barman at the Hogshead, which is how he got the info on who was with Voldemort when he came to apply for a job. And who was the one that kicked uh, Snape out on that night where he overheard the prophecy. And the fact that he was at uh, Dumbledore's funeral. So I think fans put two and two together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's a long time ago now, so I can't remember exactly what the... Um exactly on the thought processes but yeah obviously in hindsight that's a um, a connection that was was able to have been made the other clue which i think uh i think fans had started putting it together um throughout the years and then i think as i say if i recall correctly jk confirmed it uh before before definitely hallows was released but the other reason people thought it was um, Aberforth is I'm going to read you a line from the Order of the Phoenix. The Hogshead Bar comprised of one small, dingy and very dirty room that smelled strongly of something that might have been goats. And I think people saw that, remembered the line from Goblet of Fire, where Dumbledore's brother had an affinity with goats and put two and two together. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's... Throughout the series, there's a number of characters where there's clues that are planted, and obviously looking back, it's um, it's easier to you know put them together with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what actually transpires. Because mm. I believe that's the first time he even appears in the Harry Potter books. What Hogshead? Mm. In that chapter, I think that's the first time Aberforth yeah. appears. Yeah, probably is. I do think that Albus, you know, was a was a little bit harsh on on Aberforth in terms, and and it's a similar thing to what we were discussing earlier in regards to Sirius's attitude towards Regulus, in that when he was telling Hagrid about Aberforth and the minor scandal in regards to goats and whatever, and he says uh, Aberforth didn't let the gossip get him down or force him into hiding, but then he said that he wasn't sure that was down to bravery because he was not sure he could read. I'm like, it's a bit disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that's, you know, could just be brotherly banter or, again, it could be kind of those um, deeply held emotions kind of coming out in a sort of a, a bit of a bitter remark. Mm. I also wonder, because yeah, we don't know, uh, you know, because obviously the conversation with Dumbledore in King's Cross happened uh, after Aberforth's appearance. But it would be interesting to see what Aberforth's reaction would have been, given that we know now the reason Dumbledore died was because he essentially saw the Resurrection Stone and saw it as an opportunity to bring back Ariana and, and and his parents. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think there's any way that um, Aberforth would have could have failed to have been deeply moved by that, and you know I think that would have been a a big step towards a better relationship between the two brothers had that have been known at the time. And obviously, I know that it couldn't have happened because of obviously Dumbledore's 
secrecy, uh, particularly in regards to the whole plan with Snape and Malfoy and whatever. But it would have been nice if at some point during that last year, Albus had told Aberforth, yeah, I'm going to die and this is why. That would have been a a hugely uh, emotional conversation for them to have had. It does surprise me in a way that Albus, by the sounds of it, Albus didn't reach out to Aberforth during that year. And even if not say, oh, I'm going to die, but just try and, you know, say things that were perhaps unsaid for so many years uh, and give him the opportunity to give Albus the opportunity to say it and Aberforth the chance to hear it uh, before, before it's too late. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that is a theme throughout the books of saying or, or not saying the things that you want to have said you know, b- before passing away. So I think that's uh, certainly a, another very interesting example of things that needed to be have been said that weren't. Mm. I do think that after the Battle of Hogwarts, Aberforth probably did find peace with Albus. You know what? What when he when Harry tells him about his reaction to the potion and all this sort of stuff? I th- I think so. I think he was probably um, able to be at peace with it, mm. and I'm sure in the um, the aftermath that Harry will have sought him out for a conversation, and uh, you know about King's Cross and and all the things that happened, um, which hopefully will have um, allowed him to to. Yeah, be a, become at peace with um, with the issues. If you have thirty seconds to sum up your closing argument for why Regulus was the biggest unsung hero. Okay, uh, got my timer. My thirty seconds starts now. I think that Regulus is the biggest unsung hero within the books because he discovered Voldemort's uh, secret about the Horcruxes and did his best to try and destroy one of them. It was a very brave act that put himself and his family at risk. Um, It was a complete about turn of his values and beliefs and showed a, a real strength of character in order to be able to um, you know, go against what the majority of his family would want and try to bring about the downfall of the Dark Lord. 30.83. I'll take that. I mean, you did, you did, admittedly, you did miss a bit about the fact that neither Voldemort nor Sirius knew yeah. of, his, of his ultimate uh, of his ultimate intentions, which kind of adds to the fact that he was unsung. That's kind of like the definition of being unsung. True, true. If I had a minute, that would have uh, that would have been in there. Okay, your 30 seconds starts now. Okay, with Aberforth, I think that he saved the Golden Trio's life twice. He provided a refuge of food and support for Dumbledore's army, and the tragedy of his character and his story arc was never revealed until the last book, but also scattered throughout the fifth and sixth books, there are clues saying showing how much he was helping Dumbledore with uh, with the order. There we go. So we'll put that up on Twitter. Who was the biggest unsung hero, Regulus Black or Aberforth Dumbledore or other? If you vote for Regulus, 10 points go to Gryffindor. If you vote for Aberforth, 10 points go to Hufflepuff. And if you vote other, then five points are taken off each house. So we'll put that up. Okay, so to conclude this podcast, we will have our quiz uh, on the topic that we've discussed, which is uh, Aberforth and, and Regulus. I mean, there's no... Because, because you know, the whole point of this is that they were unsung heroes. We don't actually know a huge amount about them, which is 
difficult when you're trying to come up with a quiz, but we'll we'll do our best. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know, there's not too much on them, but we're going to give it a go. So, do you want to ask yours first? Sure. Yeah, can do. Uh, are you ready? Uh, I am. Yes. Okay, bit of a, a different one to start off with. Okay. Most people will know what RAB stands for. Mm. But can you spell Regulus's middle name? Oh my god, that is a difficult one. Oh. So that would be. That's evil! Expecting me to spell. Uh, A. Well done. Good start. Thank you. R. Yep. C. Yep. T. U. R. A. S. Uh, that is incorrect. The correct, you were very close. The correct spelling is A-R-C-T-U-R-U-S. That's very disappointing. Okay. Question two. Regulus obviously lived at Grimmauld Place, but what floor is the portrait of Phineas Nigellus? Is it the ground floor? Is it the first floor? Is it the second floor? Is it the third floor? Oh, it's not ground floor, and it's not the third floor. I am going to say, I'm going to say the first floor. That is incorrect. It's actually the oh, second for floor. For God's sake. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is really not going well for me. Well, this one should be a bit easier for you. The death what eating... was the name of Regulus's brother? <laughs> the Death Eaters eventually find their way to Grimmel Place. But who is it that um, grabs onto Hermione and finds number 12 Grimmel Place? Is it Thickness? Is it Yaxley? Is it Electo Caro? Or is it Dollahov? It's either A or B, and I'm thinking it's Yaxley. You going Yaxley? I'm going Yaxley. That's correct. Hooray! He's got one. Okay, Regulus obviously uh, finds the Horcrux in the cave. Voldemort also vis- obviously visited the cave many years earlier. But who was one of the orphan students that he took there? Was it Audrey Baker? Was it Alice Butler? Was it Amy Benson or was it Anna Brown? I think it's C, Amy Benson. That's correct. Yes. Right, last question from me. How was Regulus killed? Did he die by being trapped in the cave? Was it drinking the poison to get the locket? Was it by infrared from the lake? Or was it the Death Eaters who hunted him down? Or was it the fact that he didn't disapparate with Creature? <laughs> <laughs> Forward thinking. Um, it was in Fry. Correct. Three out of Three five. Three out of five, that's not bad. That's not, not bad. bad. 
My go. My five. My my five for for you. When Harry is in the Hogshead talking to Aberforth, he says to Aberforth that on the night he died, Dumbledore drank a potion that drove him out of his mind. What colour was the potion? Was it clear? Was it lilac? Was it turquoise? Or was it emerald? Uh, it's not turquoise and it's not emerald. I think it was clear. I'm going to say clear. I'm afraid that's incorrect. And it was one of the ones that you... And it was one of the... No, it was the one that you eliminated, emerald. Is it? Mm. Yeah, it was. On on the on the soundtrack, yeah. they have given the name of the potion by okay. giving you the name of the score that was played. What was the name of the potion? Was it the drink of despair, the drink of remembrance, the drink of tragedy, or the drink of death? Uh, I'm not sure on this one, but I'm going to go drink of despair. That is correct. When Harry visited Regulus's room in Grimmel Place, he saw that Regulus was a member of the Slytherin Quidditch team. What position did he play? Is it chaser, keeper, seeker, or beater? Um, I think it's a keeper. Oh, no, sorry, beater. Is that your final answer? It was a seeker. He was sat in the middle. Uh, and uh, and Harry remarked how he played seeker because he, he was in the middle. Yeah, yeah, good one. Regulus Black was born into the noble house of Black. But what was the name of Regulus's father? Was it Lyra? Was it Orion? Was it Scorpius? Or was it Leo? I don't think it's Scorpius. Um, I don't think it's a writing. So it's Leo or what was the other one? It was Leo or Lyra. I'm going to say Leo. It was actually Orion. Was that? It was. When the news about Igor Karkaroff's death was uh, known, Harry was told that they were surprised Karkaroff lasted as long as he did because Regulus only lasted a few days. Which Order member said this? Was it Moody? Was it Tonks? Was it Kingsley? Or was it Lupin? Um, I think it's Lupin. That's correct. Excellent. Three out of five, then? Yep, yep. uh, Absolutely, not bad. Three out of five for both of us today. Yeah. That was was really good. Some good questions there. Nice quiz. Yep, and that concludes another Potterjules podcast. So thank you very much for listening. We hope that you subscribe because we've got some some great content coming on. As I say, this was part one of a three-part series. And next time, hopefully around Thursday time, we we will be doing which characters were most underused. 
So that's a really good one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to that one. But until then, you can get in contact with the show at Potter Jewels on Twitter. That's P-O-T-T-E-R-D-U-E-L-S, or one word. Or you can email us at potterjewels at hotmail.com. Or you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash potterjewels. But yes, that's the end of the podcast. I thank you very, very much for joining us. I've been Tim. He's been Martin. See you next time. And until next time, Knox. Knox.